So as we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, I'm reminded of something that always happens to me. Here I am looking for my glasses. Under, and if I don't have my glasses, I can't find my glasses. So if I'm looking all around and over here and over there, and where do I find my glasses? On my face, right? right? I'm looking all around for them, and lo and behold, I've already got them on. How many have had this happen to them? No? Yes? Yes? <laughs> and Lee puts on his glasses. You found them, Lee. There you go. <laughs> Something similar happened to William Randolph Hearst. You all know him. 1930, uh, William Randolph Hearst owned, what, 30 major newspapers. He had enough money to collect some of the most valuable paintings in the world, but he wanted one painting. One day he decided he's going to get this for his collection, so he sent out one of his agents to go and look and hunt this down. The guy searched the place, and he found it. It was in the warehouse of William Randolph Hearst. He already owned it, but he just didn't have it out. It was there. There's a problem. We all have it. We have a much greater treasure, though, in God's power, but we don't realize it. It gets lost in all the warehouses and all the clutter and chaos of our lives at times. It's there, and we search for it, but sometimes we already have it and we don't know it. We already have it and we don't know it, not sometimes. We walk around weary and weak and poor me. We live maybe in defeat or depression with our problems. This is Paul's message today in the second part of chapter 1 as we work through his epistle. Paul says, see the power of God. He says in verses 18 to 19, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, his incomparably great power for us who believe. Dunamis, the Greek word, appears five times in Ephesians, and it means dynamite. The power of God, the dynamite of God. Five times, talking about explodes darkness, defeats demons, overpowers devils, and destroys death. Other words that are kind of like that are strength and might. And they appear four times in Ephesians. But Paul likes dynamite. I can have the power, but not see the power. That's why Paul prays for the eyes of the people in Ephesus to be opened and have their hearts enlightened to see what they already have instead of searching for it in other places. Now, my vision is bad. Right? I can see about two inches of clarity without my glasses. From here to here, it's a blur, and from here on out, it's a blur. Now, in you know, getting older, I can close my right eye and watch the television pretty clear. Okay, with my left, or, or with my left eye, with my right eye, I wonder where the television is. So, where most of you can probably see the third line on that eye doctor at the bottom, my first question to the eye doctor is: point me in the direction of the chart. Okay. 
It's not that bad. I can see the chart. But I usually don't make it past the first couple lines, even with the prescriptions on. A lot of times, I can't see what's right in front of me the whole time. Even though you may not share my bad eyesight, we all have a problem of not seeing clearly when it comes to God's word. And worse, when it comes to trusting God. We don't see or acknowledge or recognize the power of God, God's great and incomparable power, as Paul says, in our lives. We're fuzzy in our eyesight. When it comes to that chart, we probably don't see G and P, God's power. So sometimes we can be spiritually far-sighted. We can say things far away, but not close up. We say, oh, sure, oh, sure, sure, someday God's dynamite is going to raise us all from the dead. It's going to explode death and destroy it forever. I'll be with the Lord forever on that day. Hallelujah. But when someone asks you about today, right now, in this moment, not down the road, but the up-close stuff, the bills, the babies, budgets, bickering, illnesses, aches, pains, all roadblocks in the present, God's power appears a little bit fuzzy. Day-to-day -day living, the earth-shattering, death-defying power of God is sometimes not perceived. It seems like he doesn't have dynamite at all, but maybe just one little firecracker that makes a noise now and then to wake us up. If we're spiritually farsighted, we live by God's promises of the future, and we fail to see his powerful presence in our daily lives. But then there's also nearsightedness, spiritual nearsightedness. We can see things up close, but we can't see things far down the line. Today, sure, God's got it covered. I feel his presence today. I know that God is with me today. I was listening to the news, and there was this accident on Highway 4, right at the time that I was supposed to be on going the same direction. But something waylaid me, and I wasn't there at that precise moment. God had a hand, right? We can see it sometimes so clearly. It wasn't my doing. God put something there that I would not be there at that precise moment. But then the future might seem a little fuzzy, shrouded in doubt or things that are unknown. Like, God will take care of me now, but when I get older, when I retire, when I begin a new job, when I have no children at home, then it will get really rough. How and in what way is God going to take care of me then? And we get a little shaky. We don't see God's power in those future problems that we anticipate. Poor God, one little tiny firecracker and not a big stick of dynamite. Wouldn't it be great to have 2020 vision so that you see God clearly in the now and see him clearly in the future? All the problems would be solved. We would have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to fear. Where we recognize the power and the faithfulness of God in this very moment, but also live in that faith for what we don't even see yet. There's a remarkable story in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha and his servants are surrounded by an invading army. And one servant asks, 
what shall we do? He saw the circumstances and the number of soldiers that were there, and it looked disastrous. And this is 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. The prophet says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We're surrounded by angels who protect us. That's their job. We don't see them. We don't see God's power, but it's there. We don't see the spiritual warfare that's around us, but it's there, pulling us to doubt, pulling us to not believe in that power of God in Christ. Sometimes we feel surrounded either now or thinking about our future, surrounded by difficult circumstances, difficult people, Sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see the power. And not only in our personal lives, but thinking of our congregation. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see your power. The horses, the chariots. That's the dynamite that Paul is talking about in Ephesians. And as we find it in the Old Testament, those who are for us are more than those who are with them. And we're talking about the evil foe. Paul says it another way in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, when he says, What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's a no-lose situation. Sometimes we don't see the finish line. Paul wants us to believe the power. Paul continues in, his, in the Ephesians. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. But here we treat this power like looking for glasses that we doubt we have until we find that we already have them on. Do we believe the power? Does God really have the power? Do we see what's actually before us, the power of God in raising Christ from the dead? There are several places that we can go and look to gain that 2020 vision and believe in the power of God in Christ. If we doubt and think and short-sighted that perhaps the disciples maybe stretched the truth, maybe they lied, consider this. The tomb was discovered by women. Why this is important? Because the women in the first century Greco-Roman world in Judaism, their testimony was unfaithful. It was worthless. To have women testify that they saw Christ raised from the dead and the disciples believe it and see it as well, the disciples were ready to die for Christ. God chose to reveal his power to women and their testimony truthful. They wouldn't write about the women if they thought that it was untruthful or worthless. 
God reveals his power to the weak. He reveals his power to those who need it. If we're short-sighted and think the disciples, eh, maybe they hallucinated a little bit. Paul says, nah, a crowd of more than 500 people, eyewitnesses, saw Christ risen from the dead. So Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 15, his great chapter on the resurrection, and he says, if you don't believe me, go to Jerusalem, and you will most certainly find someone who saw the risen Lord. And there in the opening verses of chapter 15, lists people and groups that have seen the risen Lord and have witnessed and seen the power of God in their lives. Well, maybe the women went to the wrong tomb. You know, we can't see that they went. The Jewish authorities could have just simply produced the body. You know, the body, a big thing. First century people were less sophisticated, though. Maybe they, they, maybe they believed, they didn't inquire about such things as this resurrection. The idea of an individual bodily resurrection from the dead was absent from every part of the dominant worldview of that time, of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the Jewish high order. It was inconceivable. Greeks and Romans didn't believe in the resurrection. And while Paul is preaching in Acts 17 on the Areopagus in Athens, teaches about the, about the resurrection, he's laughed all this off the stage. Jewish Sadducees, the nation's leaders, didn't believe in the resurrection. But some invited Paul back. And they said, let's talk about this a little bit more. They had itching ears. They were searching for this power. In fact, God, Paul says, you have, you're very religious people, and I see you have idols and statues to all your different gods, including one that says, to the unknown God. That God I reveal to you today, in Christ, who created the world, and has shown us his power. How many unknown gods are in the world out here? They're searching for something. They're searching for power. They're searching for something to believe in. We have it. The power of Christ is for us to believe. That's Paul's message. But Christ bodily rose from the dead. The key here is the term bodily. He rose bodily from the dead. Jesus doesn't just live in the hearts and the memories of the followers. He's bodily alive. They touched his hands, his side, his feet. They ate with him because the power is available. Paul points to Christ's 2020 vision, not to what we might think, not to doubts that fill the air, we can see God's present and eternal power in him. It's time to stop doubting that you are searching for what you already have. You have it. As Christ opens the eyes of the blind, he opens yours and mine as well. Believe the power. Believe that testimony, the dynamite that exploded the tomb seal and raised Jesus from the dead. Because the power, as Paul says, is for us who believe. Now use that power. Paul says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over the church, everything for the church. He did it all 
for you and me. So we could use his power. Years ago, there's a woman in Kentucky lived in a remote valley, so I was told, but thought it would be worth the cost and trouble to have electricity installed in her home. Several months after the installation, the power company noticed she'd barely used any of the electricity, so they sent out to investigate. Why did she invest in this? The man from the electric company asked, um, is there a problem? She said, no, we're very satisfied. Every night we turn on our electricity so we can see to light our candles. Using the power of God all the time when it's convenient, it's for us. No doubt she saw the power. No doubt she believed the power. The woman just didn't use the power. Are you tired of that? Aren't you tired of second-guessing what your future is or who's going to help you in this moment today, living in the dark with all your cruddy little candles, being confused and crushed by every circumstance, feeling as though you have no resources or are unable to witness or share Christ for others because you don't feel him present right now? Paul's saying, He's there for you. The power is with you. That there's dynamite that explodes your darkness, your demons, your devils. Christ is the dynamite power of God. Clear enough for all to see around him. For the disciples, for those who went out and shared that gospel, for us to live daily. Christ, the power of God, for our nearsightedness and our farsightedness. We doubt our own security in the future and wonder about God's faithfulness. Look to Christ, the dynamite of God, risen from the dead, from whom nothing can separate us. When in the now moment of trials and insecurity, when we doubt and can't see how God is present right at this moment of trial and insecurity, don't light a candle. Turn on the light. Look at the empty tomb, because that is where you witness the power of God for you. Christ, the power of God, near and far, lives for you at every moment in your life, past, present, and future. So let me exhort you with these four words. Plug in the power. Plug in the power. Amen.